So we're moving into part two. And part two. what I wanted to... We left off talking about the lawyer and that scene in the, in the cafe. Mm-hmm. And there's... For our David Lynch fans, we would be completely remiss if we don't talk about this. And that is those serious conversations that are taking place in the diner. This is completely, I, I felt like a Mulholland Drive moment was about to happen. And um, so with the lawyer and him talking, and he and he's talking about that spooky moment in his life where he almost died. You know, mm-hmm. he turned around, and he almost got nailed by a truck. And I thought this was this like I had like a flashback moment of watching Mulholland Drive in one of the one of the most scariest scenes that I've ever witnessed is in Mulholland Drive, and I call it the um, dumpster monster scene. And this is where. David Lynch breaks the rules. He inserts this scene with these two guys talking about uh, kind of like deja vu. And the the scene just gets more and more tense. And that's what I, I was like, oh my God, is, the, is he going to walk outside and the dumpster monster is going to appear? And our, you all know what I'm talking Anybody that's a David Lynch fan will know what I'm talking about. But I felt like it was going to go in that direction. And we, we'll just leave it there. So we're... We were talking about the character development and a couple times, well, we didn't talk about the acting and I really wanted to get to this because I wanted to get your perspective and I have some thoughts on this. And so since we have mentioned many of the scenes, let's talk about the acting right now. What did you feel about the acting in general? We can start with the, the lawyer if you want, but I just wanted to get how you feel. Yeah, um, like I said, by far, probably my favorite scene, again, is the the one that I mentioned in the last episode where he was talking on the phone about the Mockingbird. Um, that's probably my favorite, like, bit, acting bit. Which is um, Harry Dean Stanton. So I'm, I'm just going to stop you right now because I want to know, what did you learn something from that scene? As an actor, you're watching another actor. What... What like? Yeah. Well, and it's still to this day. I still kind of have this kind of conflict, if you will, in my head, where it's like you know, when you're a performer on stage, you have to be the like as expressive as possible because you know you're performing in front of hundreds, thousands of people, whatever the venue is. But you want to make sure everyone in the back row is able to. Thanks, please. Thanks. Um, is able to hear and see. see you emote on stage. And then when you do the switch and then you come onto camera, you basically just like dial that shit down to like a zero. Almost. Which you've heard me many times. Which like, I've heard you say many go. times. <laughs> let's, go, let's go for you're a nine. And, and let's be a kind sometimes. Not you specifically, <laughs> but and I need Maybe below yeah. five to three. Yeah. But good. And sometimes that's it's a little, it's, yeah, it's still acting, but those two differences sometimes are a little harder to bridge and kind of like jump from one to the other. If you've had more training in one than, you know. Sure. So. But you've um, done plenty of. But I've done, yeah, I've, I've, I've done both. Sure. It seems like you're doing more of films than you're doing theater. Right. I, I mean, I've, I've switched to doing more on camera. So what stuff. did you learn from Harry 
Dean Stanton in that scene? Um, it was more about the monologue and the vocal, you know, the vocal expressions and the way he speaks rather than, I mean, he didn't change his facial expression at all. Just a, much just, just a tiny like bit. A I agree. No, bit. I know what you're saying. And most of it, again, was done through his monologue and the lip tad bit of like closing up that they did as he's speaking. Slow, slow, so pull the, in. Yeah. So like that combination is what really built up the um, the effect. So like subtle, like the subtlety of it. Um, and the same thing, I would probably say, from him and David Lynch, even though David Lynch was, like, David Lynch's, like, um, turtle monologue that he had that night with... Um, Tortoise the tor- monologue. Shit. <laughs> I know, it's cool. I, I made the same mistake, guys. No, no, no. <laughs> That's happened to me in one episode. Deer Elk. Deer Elk. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that's also... Manson like- Mansion. <laughs> um... Yeah, that was another, I guess, teach, teachable moment. It's, I mean, sometimes most people will think they're not really learning anything because, again, if you're, I, I, I would, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm making this up. Maybe it's true. I don't know. But maybe some people would look more to like, oh, what's the character physically doing? Or like, you know, their, their physicality, their facial expressions, which leads back to like the stage training and not more so the subtlety of the pacing of the dialogue the way they say it the um the emotion behind the words that they're speaking so it's so cool to like hear your perspective because that's that's what i was thinking i was waiting and i didn't want to interrupt and yet i'm like and and it is the delivery Mm -hmm. pacing is delivery well they're connected yeah. yeah and so what you're saying is for our actors and just people that are generally interested in this. Harry Dean Stanton knows exactly how to like express. Mm-hmm. And when I say express, you said mostly his face kind of stays the same, but it's the pacing and when he lets out the lines, right? And the space between the lines. The pauses, yeah. The pauses. So everything is timed. Everything comes like yeah. You want to time out everything perfectly, and sometimes not so perfectly. Sometimes the best things come out when it, yeah. You do something different. Well, what sucks is you have to be aware to a certain degree mm-hmm. of the pacing, and at the same time, you don't. It's like playing basketball or sports. You gotta. You have to be in the in the moment. What do they call it? The zone. The you zone. have to be in the, yeah, zone. In the zone, and it's it is difficult. To like know when to let it go and to just become natural. And Harry Dean Stanton, this is where I, I say this guy's a pro and you picked up on it. And that is his delivery, his understanding of letting that space come in and when he's going to say something and even how he says it, etc. So it's like really cool to like... Well, here's a neat thing that I personally, that I, I guess I do or I tend to do when I'm reading scripts is and this may or may not I'm gonna be honest I've kind of you forgotten about always all... fucking be honest shh, damn it shh, shh, shh. I'll, I'll, I'll explain I'm, what I mean is 
and God, the t different acting techniques. There's like, there's you can study those, but what I have found that I've never really fully incorporated though, and I might have, and I just maybe I don't know which category of acting technique it falls into. Some people might not. Who cares? Go. But yeah, whatever. This is good. This is good but shit. But what I do, when I read a script, like, let's take the Mockingbird monologue. I'm not doing it through the eyes of Lucky. As I'm doing it, I it would be like my emotions. Like, yeah. how no, would I say this? Because, I mean, yes, you are breathing life and portraying another character... But sometimes I tend to overlap those two. Yeah, and there you learn. You learn by watching. So it's, there's been many episodes where I ask you, and I've been begging to get this from you. Those are gonna start yelling at you. Like, what did you learn from these guys? And you're expressing it right now. And I get what you're saying. You're, and it has to do with the present moment too, because then, you're a different person than fucking Harry Dean Stanton. Well, of course, is, obviously, of course. we're in a different space, etc. Yeah, but. The vital learning or what you learned was how he delivered in the space. Am I correct or yeah. am I incorrect? Is yeah. there something else in there that... Well, it's just that. And again, tending to kind of shut down the brain that like wants to, me to be expressive with my face because of it. Um, rather than just focus on... The emotion behind the words. Fuck that you're your saying. theater background, goddammit. I wish you would have taken all my classes on, on film... Um, and, script, and writing and came from this angle and, and I would teach you all these great films and you start there and then you go to the theater instead of having to... No, I, I'm, I'm kidding because some of my best actors and I raid from the theater and I shouldn't say raid. It's it's like vital to have that <laughs> you know incorporated in, in this stuff but, but that's really cool. So let's like jump to this. I definitely... I have a summation of, of these actors in the acting. What did you think of the acting overall? Did you think that some people outshined others or you mentioned David Lynch? Like, what, what did you feel about the overall acting in this film? Can we... Well, let me start here. Can we both agree that Harry Dean Stanton fucking kills it? <laughs> it's like a level beyond 10 mm. of these others? Or... Are you yeah. against me if you if No, you... um I'd agree with that. However, with everyone else, uh, not that I didn't buy it, but it didn't seem like it was their best work. If that makes any Dude, you know we I mean? totally agree. Okay. This is what I wanted to find out because I think this is one of my um and slight uh What's the word? Uh, not bias, but uh, uh, my beefs with with this film is Harry Dean Stanton just is perfect, but I don't feel like like you said every actor nails it, and I'm curious about this, and I've been thinking about it. But go with that and tell me. Let's talk about who are the best. For me, Harry Dean Stanton, number one. Yeah. Or do or you disagree? Yeah. Um, I'd I, say. Harry, David, David Lynch, 
And get the um, fuck out of here! I can't believe we're agreeing on something. <laughs> I thought you were gonna rip David and let you do it. This is beautiful. No, Go. no, no, I actually really liked what what he did. The way oh, he did it's it, fucking great. Him and surprisingly, um, Ron Livingston. Dude, that's uh, my order. <laughs> fuck! I I love and we didn't this. even talk about this beforehand. This no, happened. we absolutely don't, and that's part of like what we're we drive. Some of the other aspects of the show crazy because we because it's not in a pattern form and I don't want a fucking pattern in this. I want this to be like natural, whatever. But that's so fucking cool. I thought exactly the same thing and we had the same thoughts. And let me just throw some shit out there. One is David Lynch doesn't get enough credit for um, his delivery. As a matter of fact, I think David Lynch is like the Willie Nelson. Of actors, mm. how Willie Nelson hits a note at the last fucking second that it doesn't, you know, fuck up the song. And but you're like, wait, wait, I'm expecting the rhythm to be like this, and it's not. That's fucking David Lynch, and I just think he's brilliant. I think this is one of his best performances by far. I've seen him do shit, eight or ten different things, but I felt the same way. So. Maybe speak a little bit about what did you learn from David Lynch or why did you think he was in the top uh, tier and then just free well, flow your thoughts. Honest, I don't think I learned anything from him that I wouldn't have tried to do myself. But the reason I say he stood out for you're, me... <clears throat> you're a cocky bastard. I am a cocky fucking bastard. That's bullshit. What I, I just said Willie Nelson. You never do Willie Nelson in acting, but go ahead. Of course, ahead. I never, never. I mean, I won't be. Able, his, of course, our performances will be completely different. But yeah. what I meant to say, what I mean is that, like, it captivates you. So that's that's what I mean by that. Now, Keep going. Uh, Why does it captivate you? Well, I mean, it was just the way. Again, it comes down to his delivery of of. And the pacing of his of his dialogues and the um, but which it, is so different than didn't you feel like when you watch David Lynch you're like I have not nobody delivers shit like this nobody like in his expression when he like gets his voice up into that not high squeaky but it's like ah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, and yeah. like a lot of people do, don't give him credit for that mm-hmm. and I just think it's fucking amazing but yeah. keep going yeah it was a nice explosiveness when he did the whole President Roosevelt monologue um yeah and you felt the emotion he emoted that emotion because he's like he's not a turtle he's a tortoise god damn it and he outlived two of my wives and that tree goes back to what what i was saying before that tree in front of your house it was a twig and now it's this and a, a lot of people like they're expecting this like stealing great performance and he delivers differently than anybody else. Listen, when you have like great actors together and they do a well, well enough job where they balance their performances where no one is like trying to outdo or outchew the scenery oh, from the yes. other one. Yeah, then, steal the scene. Then everyone is just like, it's a level playing field. You know they're great actors, but they're doing their job. And that's where I'm kind of coming from. And even Ron Livingston, like it wasn't like, you know what I mean? No, it wasn't this like yeah. no, I totally do. Because I get pissed when I see somebody trying to steal a scene right. and they're fucking up. It's okay if you steal a scene, and then like just fucking, it's magnificent. But when you do it and you're over, you know, 
speaking or overacting someone yeah. else, and it's like here's the purpose of the scene, and that's credit to uh, John Carolynch is that they did a ton of like rehearsals and they got right. together as a group and they did it. It's, I learned from this when I like did my research and was checking out stuff, and that is that he uh, would get the group together and they did probably one of the best jobs I've ever like read about or not necessarily seen, but and that is they made certain that they covered this is the purpose of the scene and this purpose fits in with these other elements. Yeah. So we did this, this, and this. Yeah. Now we have to do this. Yeah. And that that gets me to this point. I'm just going to throw it in there because one of the cool things that I read was David Lynch was so respectful. You know, he's a master. That fucker is a master. He's he's one of the best. He's as good as fucking Billy Wilder, just in a different way. And Billy Wilder's my favorite. Cohen Brothers, etc. He's just different. Um, but he was respectful of his brother, of the writer, of the other actors. And the one time that he opened his mouth was there was an argument or kind of a working out and it was when uh, Lucky is giving that the moment when he's he started opening himself up and he begins to change and then the um, interaction between him and the bar owner you, you recall what I'm saying about smoking and you're not going to smoke in here at oh, the very end yes yeah. and he shows that he learned etc and the way it was written as well as what uh, um, John Carroll Lynch wanted to capture was, this is the culmination of the third act. So now you're this changed person, etc. And Harry Dean Stanton, to his fucking credit, was like, no, like it can't be that obvious. I'm not. This isn't my redemption scene. It's too jarring, and it will take away from the overall story. And David Lynch kept his mouth shut the whole fucking time. And he goes, if I may, can I interject? (laughs) (laughs) And probably, they probably were open to it because he never did. But also, he's a fucking master. And they're like, yeah, fuck, tell us. And he said, you have known this all of your life. You just didn't know how to say it. And in this moment, Mm -hmm. that's what you're pulling off. Right? Oh my god, it gives me the chills because that's such a fucking brilliant observation. And even Harry Dean Stanton, he's older and in, in, in many ways probably wiser than David Lynch, but yet he didn't pick up that on way. that. And yeah. He was arguing like, let's do it this way. And then they all agreed. And that's that moment where, so everyone should know, one of the great scenes, it's like, like I said, it is the. Resolution of the third act. Revelation moment? Well, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, But that was what Harry Dean was like. I don't want this fucking revelation. I don't want this like epiphany that's over the top, which I love epiphanies and shit, but Mm -hmm. he was like saying it has to be this like slow burn into it. And and then David Lynch said, you knew this all the time. You were afraid of it. You said you were afraid. Now you you just learned how to articulate it. And it's because he opened himself up and the character, whatever. And so... uh, I forgot where the fuck I was going with this. Uh, David Lynch interjecting because yeah, but I, I mean I already said that point, but but it was nice that like he was able to like communicate to them, mm-hmm. and then and then he nails it, and oh, it was the, but going back to the scene. So this scene is um, the bartender's a badass, 
played by what's her name? Do you remember? Oh, uh, ooh, Elaine played by uh, I it's don't Beth, with, uh, uh, Beth Stanton. I, it's terrible that I don't know this because I fucking love her. Um, Beth Grant, Jesus, Beth Grant, Beth. Grant, she's one of my favorite um, supporting actors uh, too. She's in No Country for Old Men. She's in so many things. But she, uh, um, they're having a, they're they're squaring off, and it's her bar. And one of the cool things about this is the love of her and his other friend. Um, And she's like, "You're not fucking smoking in my bar." And they see this subtle change. They start seeing him change, and he he tells them, "This is what." what his old version of the truth and his like new version of the truth and all these words of, of realism, etc. But they're squaring off and instead of his old curmudgeon ways, he's like, you, you know what? Like I get it and I know who you are, but I'm still who I am. And he expresses perfectly like life in general, the, the understanding of yin and yang, the light and the darkness that that fucking speech, goddamn! I would love to have that scene, um, and I would love to be able to pull it off. I don't think I could pull it off like him, and to have an actor to be able to pull it off like he does it, and he nails it like as David Lynch had suggested. And this is such a wonderful scene because we see several scenes before this where she's the owner of the bar and she is a badass and it's, she has respect. And there's this tension between them two. They argue a lot. Like, she didn't like what he did with the lawyer in the bar. And he's always questioning things. And she gets pissed off. But in this scene, after he gave that, I want to say a soliloquy, that fucking beautiful moment, he's explaining why he got kicked out of another place. And he's bringing in all that he's learned. And then he goes to the corner and he stops at the door and he pulls out a cigarette and he lights it up. And what he expressed and what he gave and opened himself up to was so beautiful that she smiles and lets him get away with smoking a cigarette in her bar, which was a total thread where like nobody could smoke in the bar and blah, blah, blah. And it's also his inability to like allow the new generations or the differences that have taken place, uh, you know, He's like against, you know, change to a certain degree. Um, and so that was such a wonderful moment. Like I said, I, that's the moment where it's, it's the culmination of the third yeah. act. And so we were talking about these actors and these performances. I think this is the right moment to talk about after this. Well, we should talk about the, uh, the, when he decides to go to the birthday party, etc. But let's finish with the acting. Ron Livingston, I think this is one of his greatest performances ever. And this guy interests the shit out of me. Because he's in films that are so-called, not, not cheesy, but like comedies. He's in a lot of comedies. And this guy has a range. He's able to do it. I thought he was as good as... Uh, David Lynch to a, to a certain degree, but he out acted the the rest of them. But I also want to get to why why did the others not like whatever? But let's talk a little bit about Ron Livingston. I want everyone that's a, that's an actor to watch this guy and watch what he's done because he doesn't get enough credit for the films he was in. Office, 
Office uh, Space, which I fucking love. I love that fucking I movie. I fucking dude. do too. And he nails it in that. Of course, he nails it over and over again in so many things. But he's not playing that Office Space dude here. He's a no. lawyer that is that. Almost, they dress him cheesy, which is credit to them. He he's kind of portrayed, and the audience is fooled many times into thinking that he is trying to take advantage, and he's not. He's he's a true person. That's why he shares that story, that close moment of death, and it's not because he's a phony that's trying to like get right. another client. Mm-hmm. He's trying to like, like the other people help other human beings out, yeah. and that's a complicated fucking role that you have to you have to look like the foil or the I'm not correctly articulating that, but the jerk, and yet you're not the you're jerk. Not the jerk. And yeah, he fucking. I was so impressed with that. And that's so cool that like we, we we put our performances in the same order. That's cool. Do you want to say something else about Ron Livingston, or do you want to talk about? No. Well, he was the thing with Ron. What stood out to me was that he yeah yeah he was uh, again nuanced, low scale. You know, because this is a realistic. You know, this is this isn't um any kind of this is realism. This isn't like hoof hearted. No one is better at New England. Um, this isn't a fantasy or sci-fi or any of that like and stuff. You know what I mean. So this is a realistic drama. Drama. So it was like scaled down. Yet again, the timing. He was a little. The difference between him and like Harry Dean Stanton and maybe David Lynch. He was a little more expressive mm-hmm. at times that that I noticed. Um, but again, it's pretty I much. I thought the film. most I, the most expressive was David Lynch. Cause he like, ah, he lived. He outlived two of my wives. So I, I felt like my my take on him, his delivery was so much different than the other two. Is it, it was like not monolithic, but like it just kept it kept going. And, but he did he did his moments where he stopped and he thought and he's like, I don't know if I want to mess with this guy or I want yeah. to like give yeah. him something. But his he he didn't overact. And it yeah. had to be hard. It had to be difficult to do that. I actually think um, David Lynch's role was easier to portray than his because he couldn't. That's true. Like, he should if he did. If he did go over the top or whatever, he like went too expressive. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. And he had to keep this like, what's what's the word I'm looking for? The same kind of consistency level of delivery. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it, and a little bit of consistency. I mean, but he, he still paused and did all that perfectly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then, but you, yeah, you're right. He couldn't overact, and he couldn't just be like, right, a robot. Yeah, his fucking I think lines. he had one of the most difficult uh, fucking yeah. roles, and he fucking nailed it. And it's like, that's so cool that we agreed on all that. So here's here's the question I want to ask: Why, when you said these other actors? It wasn't their best performance. What do you think happened? Because at least a few of these actors are accomplished actors. Yeah. But I felt like well, it maybe. was a little off. The pacing was incorrect or something. And I was just curious as to your thoughts of why did the others... It's one of my... I mean, this film is one of the most enjoyable films I've seen in this decade for sure uh, I loved it I, know, I don't know if you feel the same way but I did feel like the acting 
with some of these other characters was just a little off. Yeah. But enough to be like, this is, I don't want to use the word amateurish. It's not amateurish, but like, they're not as experienced. They didn't show the experience that they had in what they were doing. And some of them weren't. Some of them were not as accomplished as these other actors. But why do you think that is? Um, it could be a, multiple factors, really. To me, because like the dude who plays Joe in the diner, I've seen him in like hundreds of other things. Yeah, and he, some and those other things. It's just I don't think either enough was given to them in the script to explore. Um, yeah, but you're like, playing a role. I disagree I mean, with that completely. It's this is your role. This is what you're doing. I'm saying. I'm not gonna say they were phoning it in. It wasn't like. No, they absolutely weren't phoning it. No, they were fucking. They were putting it out there. But it just—I don't know. I, that's my main thing. I, I just don't think. I wonder with the script. I don't think they just. Nah, I don't think it was the script. I think the fucking script was dead on. I mean, you know, I, I might be protected, right? But no, bullshit. No, no, no. Because the dialogue... Didn't you think the dialogue was real when the dialogue... If you just separated the dialogue from how it was portrayed, it fucking worked. That's how I I dissected this. What I thought was a couple of things. One, Harry Dean Stanton is a fucking stud. And he's a, so far above these people that they don't have a chance to like get to that level the other thing i was wondering is maybe there weren't as many takes or they weren't given as many opportunities to like nail that um it's just my thinking and the other part was this film is it's so many ways Harry Dean Stanton is coming to the end of his life in real life and this is what this is, this film is about as well so he's almost like in a spiritual aspect essence and pulling this off and I think and I know this from like reading a lot of everything from the writer perspective uh, John Carroll Lynch wrote about this and, and uh, the other people and that is you know they were all they were all they were also kind of protective of Harry Dean. You know what I mean? They're like, this guy is somewhat fragile, and we have to make sure that like whatever. So he probably his abilities and the time that they gave him were, were more maybe than than this other. Uh, I, I didn't. I I couldn't quite nail it, but I just felt like his ability, um, the fact that this is connected to what he's actually going through. And maybe they just were like, you know what? We we don't need to spend that much time. We don't need to do another take, or we don't have the time to do another take. But that, but I, that's just guessing. I'm just sur- surmising. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but you like we totally agree that some of it was like, yeah. Yeah, you could tell that it was just, and that's some about it. <clears throat> that's my only uh, uh, beef with this. Hmm. Um, Let's go right into unless you want to say something else about the nope. acting. Let's go right into that the character arc and how like now there's a couple other scenes that are really important to talk about. And I think the two scenes that we have to talk about is he decides to go to the birthday party and the discussion with uh, another military guy. So let's do the discussion with the military guy first because that comes before he goes. Okay. So it yeah. drives him to go to Absolutely. the fiesta. Uh, yeah, so we're back in the diner again, um, and he's sitting in a in a booth, and then we get a brand new character that walks in. It's a it's another. We find out it's a veteran, 
Marine. of the Marines. Yeah. And he played by Cricket, something uh, no, Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt. Yeah. Uh, Skerritt. He's, Skerritt. There he's you go. pretty he's pretty cool. Like I love like watching him on, on camera too. And just I'm gonna interject and that is I love that we keep coming back to the diner. That's like a really cool part of like aspect of small town. Yeah. And also yeah. tone and kinda of easy. It's like, you know, if somebody decides that uh, eating cereal is a thread that they're going to use in a, a lot of their stories because it's like... Hell yeah. You know. <laughs> There's a shout out to somebody. Anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah, we find out, yep, he's a World War II vet from the Marines. Lucky strikes up a conversation with him. And they kind of, it starts off with a bit of like a like a play between like, oh, I was in the Navy, you're the Marines. Yeah, it's almost like an old Western. Yeah. Where they're like facing each other and who's going to draw first? Yeah. A little bit, but yeah. It was like a, a little, little jab back and forth but, about who's but better. A loving jab. Yeah, two, and a respectful two manner. Two veterans yeah. that fucking served. And, and then um, he goes up and asks to, to sit next to him. And they strike up about, you know, where they were. We find out more about Lucky's past. He was a, he was a, a cook on one of the uh, transportational um, landing ships. And that carried all the ammunition. That carried all the ammunition. Which would suck. And um, he asks, you know, they both, they talk about where they were stationed at. And they were both around the, the Philippines area in the Pacific. We find out that the Marine was in the shit, like hardcore yeah. stuff. And we see Harry Dean's expression of, oh, Christ, like you did that before you went to this. Like, yeah. it's like he knew. And that, that kind of uh, plays a role into kind of changing opening his eyes to like another experience that's like absolutely. maybe worse than his yeah. well, clearly worse oh, than no, his absolutely worse well um, yeah i mean the, the fucking being on a ship you're on sitting on top of well, he, he, yeah well yeah he talks about yeah sitting in almost having like uh you know the uh the japanese uh, kamikazes yeah. almost hitting them and um so he that he describes this like the guy asks him and first we got to like shoot off the west oh what was your experience what was your experience and then they start and before this this is harry dean stanton this is still developing the character he's slowly begun to open himself up he's slowly like listening to other people yeah and then he's sitting with this guy and it's a, a fellow veteran and He's expressing all the shit that he went through, and they're going back and forth, and exchanging, and they're becoming friends. And this is what's cool: is he asks him, "Can I talk to you, Harry Dean Stanton?" This is the first time the character says, "Will you, will you come to me?" Right, and that's a huge uh, change in character because up until this point, everybody else has to like. First, they're like, come on, open up, or like, think of it this way. And then slowly, characters are like, I came to check on you. You know, the beautiful mm-hmm. black woman from the diner. Yeah. It's like, I came to check on you, and they have that moment. And he like lets them in. And then the uh, lawyer is like, do you mind Like, do you mind if I talk to you? Like, after you yeah, said, yeah, I'm going to fuck stuff. kick your ass. The lawyer's like, can I talk to you? And he like lets him. So he's opened himself up a few times before this, and now he's asking somebody else, mm-hmm. "Give me your yeah. take." Good. Yeah. So it's a clear, the clear shift in character there. And yeah, the the dude tells him about what he was experiencing when he was like, as you said, <laughs> in the shit. Um, and the pivotal part of that moment was like when he, in his platoon, had come across this 
um, young girl who... They blew the shit out of the sign and they killed so many people. They were... He said they had body parts falling off of them. Well, not not just that, but there were also the locals there had been told that, you know, these, I guess the Americans or whoever else was in there were coming to, like, rape and kill them. So they were committing suicide with their kids and everything. Right. So they were witnessing that. That's what the Japanese were told, yeah. And then he they see this one girl that had, like, standing in the middle of the woods or something and she's running out with a smile yeah she had a smile on her face and he had this like thought about like he tells his buddy so tom scarrett tells his buddy the marine that's talking to um the navy guy who's uh, lucky and he says uh he says i said to my buddy look at least somebody's glad to see us because it's a little fucking you know four-year-old girl with a smile go ahead yeah um no, and then, and then they tell him, like, no, she's not happy to see you. She's a Buddhist. And then she's, like, come to terms with, like, this is the end for her. So she's facing it with, like, a smile on her face. And then he talks about, like, this, like, not existential thing, but he's, like... It is existential. So, yeah, it's, it's existential fucking, to have, those, like... Those two fucking intertwined. The power to, like, muster that and be... You know, that content, but yet happiness. Genuine. He said it was a genuine smile that she had on her face. Which is happiness. So I think you're incorrect in saying it's not happy. She was happy because it's well, her introduction yeah, yeah. into the next life. So she's right. lived this. This is where she's supposed to, whatever. Turn your fucking phone off. What's up, bro? I like, I tell my students, man, they're not even allowed to have it on the table. Anyway. Bro. Do, bro. What did you feel about that moment? Did you, like, did that, like... Did you like that Buddhist smile that he said it's a Buddhist smile? Yeah. No, I liked it. Um, but I was like, you, I could clearly see like all this is like, because then they also cut to like Harry Dean's like expression. And, and when he's sitting there just listening to the story, you can see the shift of character as that story is being told. So like. Some people, like, you might have to watch it once or twice to, to get it. But I like, agree. I, I right. saw it because, I mean, I was. There's enough there that you don't have to, like, you're not... It's, it's not... It's not super important to, like, see it several times and know. You know in that fucking scene that it changed him. Yeah. So that's they fucking do, yeah. cool. And they, yeah. and they did their job. And which then leads them to the next... I think it may be the very next scene or the scene after that where he goes to the fiesta. Yes. Uh, where he's all, like, yeah. opened so up. So continual characters developing, open himself up, then invite somebody else over. And previously in the film... He goes in the grocery store. He goes in to buy the only thing he buys is milk and cigarettes, which is fucking beautiful. And <laughs> she invites him another character. It's like saying, "Hey, you know, come yeah. come to my son. Would you like to come to my son's birthday?" And in the scene earlier, this is like in the first third of the film. He's like, "Well, he goes, we'll put that on the burner because he's like, you know, he's gonna basically blow it off." Yeah. But after these scenes of him finally opening up. And then inviting somebody else, he decides to go, yeah. which is fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Again, character vote. Go. Hit yeah. it. Mike, I want another beer. Keep going. Yeah. Um, and it's just another, just kind of... Top shelf. Kind of seeing his experience through a new lens right as ahead. his like shift has happened. And uh, blocking the camera. He's just blocking the camera. Just... Anyway, yeah, we see him there at the party, and um, 
there's a great bit where he strikes up a uh, um, conversation with that the grocery store lady's mother. She introduces the two of them, and she tells Lucky, my mother doesn't speak a lot of English, and then Lucky kind of speaks a little bit um, conversational, I'm pretty sure is what he said, conversational Spanish to her. And she says, you can tell she, I'm pretty sure she tells him, like, he sounds very natural. He's very good at, he's actually very good at speaking it. Um, Brian Geist, another local brewery. Brian Geist, but I don't enjoy going there. I like it. It's so sick. I got a mad tree. No, fuck. That's bad for me. I'm younger and hip. Mantry's great, but no. Ryan guys, they make better. Oh. Uh, Sorry, Mantry folk. But, um, yeah. But really, the standout of that whole scene is at the very end is they do a Spanish <coughs> birthday song for her boy. And he's standing there, so let's let's set this up. So this is a cool part of the film as well because here's another woman that there's a clear attraction. Did you feel that? Yeah. There's a clear attraction. When he met her first, he's like, oh, you know, and they like look at each other and they're kind of like checking each other out. And this is, you know, it's cool that they threaded. He's thinking, we know, we just surmise that like love... And it's talked about. Love is talked about several times. And his buddy, the the guy at the bar, says, you don't know when love's going to hit you because it hit me and I wasn't expecting it, right? And he thinks it's over for him. Sure. And then he has that moment with the beautiful black girl, yeah. the, the waitress. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to the party with this and they're like talking to each other and they they clearly are uh, attracted. And But he's staying on the outskirts. But he, he decided to go to this place... And open himself up one more time, right? And he's watching everything that's taking place. And this is the moment when he does what? Yeah, and then after they do the birthday song for the boy, everyone kind of goes back to sit down. He's still standing up, and then he starts singing a Spanish song. Volver, Volver. Volver, Volver. Which is so fucking All uh, these songs are connected. They all have to do with light and dark. Yeah. All of them do. And uh, yeah, it was a good, cute little... Like it was a... Heartfelt moment where he starts singing and then the mariachi... Understated by Ray. This is one of the fucking culminating moments of the fucking film where he totally gives up himself. He takes a risk. He does something outside of himself. Writers, directors, everybody. It's important to at least consider having the character do something outside of themselves. In fact, I think the best films are when a character does something outside of themselves. And this is the moment, and what he does is, he stands up. Yeah, well, he's he standing, but he's on on the outskirts. He's watching all the interaction. He's like, I gotta give something to this, and so he sings, "Volver, Volver." Este amor apasionado anda torvalborotado por and so the party's happening, right. the birthday party, yeah. and slowly everybody starts like, oh, this guy's singing. Yeah. And then the mariachi band's going to join him in just a second.
And so what is so fucking cool about this song is Harry Dean Stanton knew that it was so important to nail this and he made sure that they waited until he was feeling able, you know what I mean, to really like give it his all. And I, I felt like he nailed it. What did you think? Did you think that he... Uh, did you think that that singing was pretty great for a, a, an old timer? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he fucking nailed it, didn't he? Yeah, and in a different language too. So and so, I want to tell. Yeah, exactly. A different. And, and, but he knows a little bit of that. So what I want everyone to know is that this song is called Volver Volver, and it's a, it's one of the most popular songs in Mexico, sung in Spanish. But the lyrics are. It goes back to that. Every song in here has to do with uh, light and darkness that, like I was saying, the yin and yang. And that all the songs, what I love about them is that the, even if they're saying, like, I feel a darkness, and, you know, which is Bonnie Prince's Bonnie song, song by Johnny Cash. The purpose of that song, even if it is somebody that falls into darkness, is that you don't want to fall into darkness. You want to, like be able to like fight that and here's the lyrics this word it's uh, this song it's incredible this passionate love go all rowdy to return i'm on my way to madness and although everything tortures me i know how to want we left a long time ago but the time has come of losing you were very right i listened to the heart and i'm dying to go back and come back come back to your arms again. I will get to where you are. I know how to lose. I know how to lose. I want to go back, go back. Ah. <laughs> and you don't come Beautiful back. Beautiful Beautiful. You don't come back because you don't want to, Daddy. We left a long time ago, but the time has come of losing. You were very right. I listened to the heart and I'm dying to go back and come back, come back to your arms again. I will get to where you are. I know how to lose. I know how to lose. I want to go back and go back. God damn. I, 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 you know, when I saw his expression, I saw him, I, you felt it. Even the, you know, I don't know Spanish. I know tiny bits. Yeah, even if you don't know Spanish, you can you feel it. You know what yeah. it's evoking. And then when I read these lyrics, I was like, oh my God. And it's basically a dude that's like, you know, caught up in war or you know, the drive in life to succeed, whatever the fuck that is. And someone had expressed to him, just fucking give it up. Like, give in, give up, lose. And I love that line, those lines of, I know what it is to lose. Like, I get it now. I should. Like, it's better to lose and, like, feel this than to not feel it. And that's just so incredible. And that's why I wanted, well, I don't have to say it, Every song is that you know the uh, the harmonica that he uh, plays. You find out he's playing it, but it's interjected in between scenes. So we have these scenes with other actors and some dialogue. But when he's walking around the desert, you hear this harmonica music, and the the music is um, for, it's Gene Autry's Red River Valley, 
and the lyrics of that song are I'm not gonna read them, but they're they almost mimic Volver Volver. They do mimic Volver Volver. So does I see the darkness. And to interlay that music and not necessarily have the actual lyrics, it's so cool. And they understood John Carroll Lynch, the writer, um, Logan understood that this is going to be evoked anyway. Yeah. And yeah. that's a layer of the film that you might not catch unless, you know, you, you checked it out or you knew, but you catch it in that, what it evokes. It helps with the emotion. Yeah. Because the harmonica almost sounds like, uh, my old Kentucky home, which is also evokes the same kind of thing, like leaving or, or falling into, not necessarily falling into darkness, but the loneliness that you feel. And he, he expresses that he's lonely. Yeah. Um, but it is from that Gene Autry song, and anybody that you know is interested in this or loves this film, you should check out those lyrics as well. I just didn't; it's not important to you know state that as well. Um, what do you think? Yeah, pretty good. So after pretty this, true. we we do have to talk about that last scene. I don't give a fuck. This is one of the few times that we we are going to spoil, but it's not really spoil in any way. How did you feel about um, the ending of the film? And that's the last bar scene, right? Well, the bar, scene, the last bar scene. The bar yeah. scene where David Lynch interjected and said, how about if you, like, you've known this all your life, but you finally yeah, figure yeah, out how to yeah. say it, and now you're feeling it as you're saying yeah, it. Yeah. But totally then, <clears throat> where does he go? He goes to the desert. You know, yeah. Well, goes back walking. Back to, walking back to doing his... Thing walking, but but you can tell he's like his character is like shifted, so it's a different kind of changed baby. Yeah, he's a changed man. Um, tell how? How do you know that he is by based on how they film it? How do you know he's changed? Well, they, I mean, the, literally up front, they do the 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 bit where he walks up to. He's walking, and then he notices. He finally like notices all these cacti uh, in the desert. And he walks up to one, and he sees this like old giant one that's kind of like worn out. It's got like bits and holes through it. But then like a, a like one arm is like, like little baby ones that are sputting off. I'm so glad that you saw that. That like impresses me. That makes me know. Thank you. Thank you. There's hope for Ray. <laughs> not, not, I know he is as an actor, which we're going to talk about in one of these things. What I've noticed in your acting and how that's changed. I'm not going to say it here. But it's fucking changed, and in a good way. <laughs> but the fact that you noticed on that one arm of the arm, cacti, the little babies, little, and yeah. he doesn't fucking John Carroll Lynch, great job, my man. You, you've killed it on your debut. He doesn't fucking pan to it or sweep or you know close in. He just shows the cactus, and you're standing, and he stays on it long enough that you look at that arm and you see the mm -hmm. babies. But go ahead. And then after that. They pull back to, to to Lucky, and then it's like, and he stops and he looks around and sees this entire like sea of cacti. But um, before you give the culminating, like we hear we hear the sounds of the desert and the wind is blowing, um, and there's birds there's birds too in the background. But keep going. Yeah. Um, and he's basically become awake to his surroundings and like the world around him. And he sees all of this and he looks back and he just smiles and like heads back to his to his Yeah, walk. but 
you got you got we're this is and one then, of the times that we're we're spoiling something what what does he smile to which is a thread by the way folks thread all through the film several characters say it smile in the conversation with uh scarrett in the ca- cafe he says it's a buddhist smile and we slowly see ca- kind of moments where there's a slight fucking smile on um lucky's face but not not full even in the bar when he does his badass moan he's mm-hmm. at the cigarette yeah. he's not supposed to he's getting closer to it but he never does a full-on smile he does a full-on smile but where what does he do it to oh that's what it was he spots um is it because he spots roosevelt no he doesn't see Fuck, roosevelt. All right, damn it he breaks the third the fourth Oh, he stares really? at the camera. Oh. He's smiling to us. Did you catch that? No, I did not catch that. <laughs> that's uh, oh my god. That's not something I caught. I take back everything I said about. It. Yes, he is smiling to us, and it's so fucking incredible. And there's so many levels of this because it's his last full performance. This mm. film is taking his life and like combining it into a story, and he's basically turning and saying. I got it, and I know it, and it's it's like, it's a communication directly to us saying, learn this too. You know what I mean? And also, uh, it's gonna choke me up. That's his goodbye. Mm. That's his. He's saying goodbye to everyone. It's it's ooh, it's wonderful. That. That that's something I wanna I wanna learn more about. Or maybe it doesn't even need to be talked about. But but that's so cool. Now that you think back, you realize right, it's yeah. breaking the the third or fourth. And we would be. Uh, I kind of think we should end there, but I just I, I can't. We can't leave without talking about the writer Logan Sparks. Um, do you know anything about that background? So, Logan Sparks used to be. And this is helpful for everyone. Um, he used to be the PA of fucking Harry Dean. So he would drive him <laughs> around and do this stuff and they no became way. fucking great friends. And he was chosen um, because somebody didn't want to deal with Harry Dean Stanton because supposedly he was like, you know, curmudgeon-y, kind of like the player he's playing. And he smoked and nobody wanted to fucking do it. Well, Logan Sparks was a smoker too. So the fucking director's like, Buddy, I got a job for you. You're gonna do this, and and Logan's like, "Well, fuck you. I know you're picking me just because I fucking smoke, and you want me to fucking drive an asshole around." And I get, I, there's no fucking way to Harry D. Stanton is an asshole. But anyway, these two dudes got together and became fucking best friends. I mean, best friends, which is really cool. And Logan Sparks, he's like, I don't even want to say assistant because we became friends. He wrote this. This is his writing um, and kind of his tribute to uh, Harry Dean Stanton. He also, which I just think is an incredible that is like awesome. layer. Yeah. And also, with that, he named he named his uh, child Stanton yeah. after Harry. That's how close they were. And uh, this it's one of the pictures I'm going to add to my bathroom Hall of Fame is Harry Dean Stanton holding Logan Sparks' child. Um, but what I loved was 
that Logan Sparks never, you know what I mean? He didn't just like, I'm not just going to accept this place or this thing that you put me into. He became a writer. He became like a friend. He became, you know, he's acted a little bit, but he didn't like stay in any kind of box that was placed. And I just imagine this friendship and so much of what is written here are kind of different moments of their friendship. You can, you can kind of, you know, imagine that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just that I don't know. I just thought that was so. No, that's cool. no, that's pretty fucking awesome. Aspect, it's yeah. Like a tribute. Yeah, I love it. Hung out on the regular. It's a good place to end. That's a really good fucking place to end. This was a good one, man. I liked fucking. Oh yeah. Getting your perspective, and we agreed on a lot. Surprisingly, I don't want to say. I'm not going to ask you what you would rate this, but you weren't as enthralled with me. But were you like, I mean, obviously, I feel like you learned some stuff like from watching these other actors. What, what was your overall impression? Did you think this is like I did. magnificent I, or? I did. And I, really I liked the film. Or, um, again, you know this because given my background with film and what I've grown up with and what I'm accustomed <laughs> to, it's not my particular. I curse your schooling. It's not even my schooling. It's just what I personally. It is. Um, it's just my taste that i've acquired for films and stuff so you right. know where i come from yep, and like where you're coming from it's part of the but wonderful aspect of the show yeah but no this was a this was a great movie um i mean i would i will definitely yeah recommend watching especially yeah. like you said for upcoming writers art actors all that kind of stuff it's definitely a film to watch for people who want to create and make this art um yeah how many times do you watch it i might be a second before i watch it again i don't think it's something i can like sit down and immediately rewatch. come on man you're learning from these actors you i know i am yeah, but did but you only watch it once i have but i picked up on all that shit yeah you did you did yeah. but that's cool all right it's all up in here i love it no but it was a, it was a great movie um yeah. here you're gonna take this because we're gonna do a Cheers well, to Harry, cheers. Harry Dean Stanton. We love you, brother. We're smiling. Smile back at you. Yeah. Harry Dean. <laughs>